Hi there. Welcome to your podcast for college Catholics where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick and I'm your host today. Whether you're Catholic, Christian or Protestant, you might have heard at some point that one of the main reasons why Luther, Martin Luther, who was a Catholic Augustinian priest, left the Catholic Church was in reaction to several abuses in the church, one of them being the selling of indulgences. Indeed, he complained about the abuse of uh, something that otherwise was acceptable, an acceptable teaching of the Catholic Church related to indulgences. So in this episode, we will speak about what indulgences are. To begin with, Luther didn't object to the concept of indulgences itself. What he was complaining about was a certain abuse, namely the selling of indulgences or offering indulgences exclusively for money. So the idea of indulgences is related to the reality of sin and to the sacrament of penance. And that's why we uh, talk, I want to talk about this uh, at this point, because we've been speaking about confession. So let me explain a little bit why indulgences are actually a great thing and a grace that we have, a treasure that we have in the Catholic Church. When I sin, there's a responsibility, a guilt or culpability for the sin I commit. That is, I, am, I offended God, and therefore I am guilty of that offense. Now, on the other hand, there are consequences for sin. The damage I do to others, the damage that I do to myself, and the punishment that injustice before God, I deserve. So every sin has a punishment due to that sin. Now, regarding, regarding the punishment due to sin, if the sin, if the sin is venial, the punishment is limited or temporal. If the sin is mortal, the punishment is eternal. So to give you a simple uh, metaphor or comparison, if you hammer a nail to the wall, you have then two things. The nail that is now stuck in the wall and the hole you did in the wall. The nail resembles the sin itself and your responsibility for that sin. The hole in the wall resembles the consequences of that sin. So when you remove the nail, right? Through, suppose through confession you get your sins forgiven, you remove the nail, there's still a hole there. The consequences of, still, of sin still remain. So when you do a good confession and receive absolution, your sin is forgiven before God. However, the consequences of your sin don't necessarily go away. There are some consequences that cannot be undone. But there are some other consequences that can be forgiven or healed. In particular, one thing that can be reduced or even completely removed is the punishment due to your sins. So, uh, to simplify this, I know this, that this is a, a bit of a simplification to make it more easily understood, right? We can say that through confession, the guilt of your sin is forgiven, while the punishment due to your sin is reduced or completely removed, depending on the sorrow for sin and the love for God that you have in your heart when you do your confession. And when we die, if we are in the state of grace, we will be saved. But we might probably have some spiritual imperfections, some attachments to sin, which we need to purify. And also some temporal punishment, 
due to the sins we have committed during our lifetime, even if we went to confession. Therefore, before entering heaven, there, uh, we, might, we might have to remain in a state of purification, which is called purgatory. Right? Purgatory is where we are purified of any imperfections and where we, are, when we, where we endure the temporal punishment that according to divine justice, we still owe for the sins we have committed. But we are already saved, in a sense. We have been judged and considered worthy of salvation. So for more on judgment, purgatory, heaven, and hell, I encourage you to listen to episode 59 of this podcast, where I talk about all those things. Now, the temporal punishment due to our sins can be reduced or even eliminated completely during this life through our prayers, through our sacrifices, through our good works, and also when we go to confession. And here is where indulgences come in, right? Because the Catholic Church is a communion of people, an assembly, uh, an ecclesia, right, we say, uh, we can pray for each other. We can pray here in this world, we can pray for those who are in purgatory. And the saints that are in heaven can pray for us who are in this earth. So there's a communion, a community between the people in this world, in purgatory and in heaven. So the indulgences are a sort of forgiveness of that temporal punishment due to our sins that the Catholic Church offers under certain conditions that we can obtain for ourselves or for the souls in purgatory. So to understand the source of this forgiveness, it's not something arbitrary, right, that the Church decides, oh, we're going to forgive all these people. No, to understand the reason why there can be forgiveness, we, we say that there's a treasury of all the merits of Jesus Christ, of all the merits of the Virgin Mary, and of all the merits of all the saints, that the Church, thanks to the power of the keys given to St. Peter in Matthew 16, 19, you can check that uh, quote, Matthew 16, 19, so the Church has the power to apply that treasure of merits, spiritual treasure of merits, and can apply that treasure to us and to the souls in purgatory, in such a way that through the application of those merits to a particular person, whether alive or in purgatory, that person's temporal punishment due to that, that person's sins is forgiven, either sometimes partially or sometimes completely. So the key thing is that the church typically connects the application of such merits to some good work or prayer, or some other devotion. So, imagine that you have, it's like uh, a treasure or a bank of merits of the saints, the Virgin Mary, and Jesus Christ, and the church can distribute those things, but requires that we do some prayer, or some action, or some good work, in order to receive the benefits of that treasure of merits for the forgiveness of the temporal punishment due to our sins. So every prayer or every good work that we do, every sacrifice uh, that we do, has the effect of a partial indulgence. Most prayers, like attending Mass or praying the Holy Rosary, have partial indulgences, right? So if I uh, make a donation or I donate money for the poor or give a f some food to a person in, ne in need or receive a homeless person and give them shelter, all those things have partial indulgences. However, there are some other actions or prayers through which we can gain a plenary indulgence. 
and therefore the complete forgiveness for all the temporal punishment due to my sins, or either your own sins or the souls or the sins of a soul in purgatory, right? So we can apply these plenary indulgences, these indulgences in general, to ourselves or to a soul in purgatory. So as an example, the church, the Catholic Church, stipulates that if a person prays the rosary in a group of people before the Blessed Sacrament, each one there can gain a plenary indulgence. The indulgences you gain, then, can be applied to yourself or to a soul in purgatory. So if you gain a plenary indulgence for a soul in purgatory, the consequence is that is that, that soul will be released immediately from purgatory because all the temporal punishment due to their sins will be forgiven and therefore they don't need to be in purgatory anymore. So that's what indulgences are. Or as the Catechism puts it in number 1471, I'm going to read from the Catechism directly, an indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins, whose guilt has already been forgiven, which the faithful Christian, who is duly disposed, gains under certain prescribed conditions through the action of the church, which, as the minister of redemption, dispenses and applies with authority the treasury of the satisfactions of Christ and of the saints. An indulgence is partial or plenary, according as it removes either part or all the temporal punishment due to sin. And the faithful can gain indulgences for themselves or apply them to the dead. So up to there, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So there's normally a particular action you have to perform to gain a plenary indulgence. And then there are, on the other hand, the usual conditions or requirements that you always have to do to accompany that particular action in order to gain that plenary indulgence. So there are many actions through which you can gain a plenary indulgence. So just to give you some examples, to pray the rosary with a group of people before the Blessed Sacrament, or to do a spiritual exercises retreat for more than three days, and on certain jubilees declared by the Holy Father, the Pope, to walk through the Holy Door at St. Peter's Basilica. So those are just some examples of uh, plenary of works that have a plenary indulgence attached to them. However, an important aspect are the requirements or conditions that must accompany any action attached to a plenary indulgence. Right? So if I say the rosary with a group of people before the Blessed Sacrament, then I also have to do these other requirements for any action that has a plenary indulgence. What are those requirements? First of all, to be in the state of grace and to have the intention of gaining that plenary indulgence. Also to pray on our Father, Hail Mary and Glory be for the intentions of the Holy Father, the Pope. Then to go to confession and receive Holy Communion with the intention of gaining the indulgence within several days before or after performing that action that carries the plenary indulgence. And finally, to be free from any attachment to sin, even venial sin. So the fact that there are souls in purgatory that need our help is, uh, is pretty evident, right, uh, from what we learn in, in the faith and all the different revelations of the Virgin Mary and the saints. And, but there's a particular example 
in the life of St. Padre Pio, where he was praying in a chapel, and a certain person started uh, lighting the candles as if it were for Mass, right? So he was wondering what happened with this person, because it was not the time for Mass, and he realized it was the soul that was in purgatory, and asked that he pray for him, and especially to celebrate the Mass, because he was suffering in purgatory. And it seems to have been a religious who had lived in that convent several years ago. So the saint said that he would celebrate Mass the following day, and the, this soul was uh, distraught. While thankful, right, the soul was distressed to have to wait and suffer for an entire day in purgatory before being released from that place of suffering. So that is just a reminder of how important it is to pray for the souls of the faithful departed who are in purgatory. So now you know how you can help these souls in purgatory, especially if there are any family members who have passed away from, from your family or friends, right? Of course, the Holy Mass, to offer the Holy Mass for that intention is the most efficacious way to pray for the souls of those who have died. But you can and you should also offer your prayers, sacrifices, and good works, and particularly to try to gain plenary indulgences every so often for those who are suffering so much. That is why the Church even gives us a time, right, in November uh, 2nd through 9th, uh, in the time of the souls of all the faithful departed, uh, the, the celebration of all the faithful departed, where we can offer uh, prayers and gain plenary indulgences by visiting cemeteries and so forth. So, if you like this content and you'd like to encourage others to listen as well, please follow this podcast and share it with others. Also, if you can, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure you rate us on Spotify. And if you have any other questions or comment on this uh, or any other episode, please don't hesitate to email me at info at fourcollegecatholics.org as I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so thank you for listening. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.